Hey everybody, if you are a writer or an aspiring writer, or if you just love literature, I have a book for you. It's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. It is the long-awaited craft book by Steve Almond, based on three decades of his writing career, a career that has featured at turns depression, failure, anxiety, self-loathing, despair, self-doubt, loss of faith, delusions of grandeur, and the occasional triumph. It's a book about the writing life. Steve Almond has done it. He has embraced it, the full catastrophe, and he has lived to tell about it. The Boston Globe says, quote, this isn't just a book about writing. It's a book about honesty. And Richard Russo calls it, quote, one of the best books on writing I've ever read. It's also the funniest by a country mile. Once again, it's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories by Steve Almond, available from Zando. Go get your copy right now, wherever you buy books. This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th. And it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose. And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14th. Get tickets now. Hey, you guys. The Other People Podcast is a free show. It is offered freely. More than 500 episodes, all available for free. You can listen for free. There's another People app. That, too, is free. Go get it wherever you get your apps. It's all free. This is a listener-supported program. If you want to support the Other People Podcast, you can do so at patreon.com slash otherpplpod. That's patreon.com slash otherpplpod. Okay, thanks. You are not alone. You have found other people. You and I have a friend in common. Every stupid thing that a writer could do, I've done. I think it's really beautiful. What a struggle, you know? It was incredible. You know, it's like your head exploded seeing what was really there. And now here's your host, Brad Listy. Just one person at just one time. Hey, everybody. How's it going? (laughs) Welcome to the Other People Podcast. I'm Brad Listy. It's good to be with you. This is the Other People Show. Thank you for listening. I have Shauna Barbosa on the program today. She is a gifted young poet, originally from Boston, Massachusetts, and she has a collection out called Cape Verdean Blues, available from University of Pittsburgh Press. She was just here uh, about, uh, I don't know, two weeks ago. She lives in L.A. now. She moved out here. We sat down. We had a great time talking, and I'm excited to get to share that conversation with you in just a moment. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but I'm a little tired. I've been out in the desert the last few days. I've been tweeting about it a little bit. So if you follow me on Twitter, you're probably aware of this. I was out in the desert with my family, and uh, it's like three days. There was a heat wave. It was triple digits. We're very pale, freckly people. There was some discussion about leaving within like four hours of getting there. It's a bit of a panic. We wound up enduring. I was, you know, it's like I was pretty much the only adult who even got into a pool. I don't know why we did that. So, I mean, it was fun. The kids had a good time. It's all about the kids. You go to a hotel, feel sort of dirty. There's a million kids there, all these families, tail end of spring break. It's been churning. Like, I feel like there's just been a churn of humanity moving through this hotel. It didn't feel clean to me. I'm not a germaphobe. I can deal with it. I'll deal with it. I got in the pool. 
I stayed in the room. I'm just saying. I don't understand how anything is sanitary. How do you keep a hotel sanitary? You probably don't. I also just want to give a shout out to uh, hotel housekeepers. It's got to be one of the jobs on this earth that I fear the most. That is a tough job. I cannot imagine doing that day in and day out, cleaning up after people. They deserve a reward. So, and you know what's... (laughs) I'm the only adult. Did I say this yet? I, I was pretty much the only adult who even got into a pool. My wife got in like a little bit towards the end. Got six adults in our party. I'm the one in the water. I'm the one in the lazy river. I'm the one on those fucking water slides. Kids are climbing all over me. Getting sunburned. I'm the hero of my family. I also want to briefly let you know that I'm very good at uh, trip planning. I'm, I'm actually good at travel planning. So in my family, so here's the thing. <laughs> I feel like I sound a little bit like a germaphobe, and now I'm about to tell you how good I am and how much I like to actually be in control of planning travel. Uh, in, all, in all respects, I like to drive if I'm on a road trip to the point where like, I'll drive 20 straight hours. Just let me drive. I know we'll get there. I know we'll get there safely. That's how I feel. But if like you really want to drive, I'll let you drive. And so I don't feel like I'm a total control freak. Like I will relinquish the wheel. I'm just saying I'm happy to drive. I'll be the driver. You need a trip planned? I'll plan it. You need flights? You need a restaurant? You want me to find a place to stay? Just let me know your budget. I'll make sure you wind up someplace halfway decent. Or better than halfway decent. I feel like I actually have a gift for this. Maybe I should be a uh, concierge. I don't know. Just like everything, it's hard to travel with big parties. There's like 11 of us just trying to get a dinner reservation, just the logistics of moving everybody from place to place. It's a lot to deal with. You have to calculate things. You have to be uh, like hypersensitive to the uh, undulations of time. Is that a thing? I'm very tired. Hey folks, if you are a writer, if you're somebody who's struggling to write, if you're trying to write a book but failing, if you're failing to write a book but wishing you could, if you've written a book but you're not sure if it's any good and you need to make it better, all of the above, you know what I'm talking about? I have a book for you. It's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. This is the long-awaited craft book by Steve Almond. Steve has been a guest many times on this show. I actually spoke with him on this very podcast about this very book not too long ago. You should listen to it. Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow is based on three decades of Steve's career, writing, failing, and trying again. Richard Russo calls it one of the best books on writing I've ever read. It's also the funniest by a country mile. This is a book that debunks the well-meaning but misguided myths that can hold us back from writing our deepest and most truthful work. It employs the same radical empathy that Steve displayed as co-host with Cheryl Strayed on the Dear Sugars podcast, and it will help you generate new work. Once again, it's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories by Steve Almond. Available from Zando. Shauna Barbosa is my guest. She has a poetry collection out called Cape Verdean Blues available from University of Pittsburgh Press. She was a lot of fun to talk with, and I'm very pleased to get to uh, get to share this conversation with you. Here she is, ladies and gentlemen. This is Shauna Barbosa. 
You can't beat the weather and I miss public transportation. I miss being able to cry on public transportation. You can't do that here. You can't it's cry. It's like cry alone on a hill in Silver Lake. And it's just not. It's not the same. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm going to stay. You are? Yeah, I'm going to stay. Maybe I'll get a car. But no, I don't think I'll get a car. But I think know, I'm going to stay. Do you know what you want to do? Like, do you Did you come out here with like a Hollywood dream? No. No. I did not. I just came out here because I wanted something new. I was on the East Coast, and since I was a kid, I wanted to go to New York or California or both, and I did New York. So I'm trying to give this, like, over a year to see what happens. But since I've been here, it's been, like, incredible just in terms of, like, my book. Like, everything has just been, like, super great. BuzzFeed was great. Um, the last month after BuzzFeed has been great. So I've, I, I like this L.A. energy you that I'm getting. You making friends? Yeah. You are. I think. Do you, you have? Know. Did you have friends when you came out? Or? Yeah, okay. I did have some friends here. So it wasn't. The transition is still rough, but it wasn't. It wasn't as bad because I had some close friends here. Oh, good. Yeah, some friends who took me to IKEA as soon as I landed. So. Oh, wow! Yeah. You got off the plane, went directly to IKEA. Nah, I went to Target first. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got to do the rounds. Exactly. <laughs> um, so what? Like, so mm -hmm. you're originally from Boston. Mm -hmm. That's where you grew up. Yes. All right. Roxbury. Okay, but then uh, you know, in your publicist sending me emails, she's like the Cape Verde American. Mm -hmm. So when did your did your folks come over from Cape Verde? My dad did. Oh, he did. Yeah, okay. my dad came over from Cape Verde, and but you were born here. Yeah, I okay. was born here. So first generation American. Yes. All right. So mm -hmm. Cape Verde. I must be honest. I had to Google that. I, I yeah. didn't know where it was. A lot of people do. It's a tiny little island. Why don't you explain it to people so that my listeners can get some reference? Yeah, it's a tiny island off the west coast of Africa. I'd say it's like. About the size of Rhode Island. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's made up of 10 islands. And my dad is from Fogo. The capital is Santiago. Praia is in Santiago, so Praia. Um, but yeah, no one ever knows about it. People are always like, oh, they're like, oh, what's the name of your book? I'm like, hey, Birdie and Blues. They're like, nice. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it's, um, it's an island off the west coast of Africa. Sometimes if I do a reading... I'll I'll kind of let people know because then I have some poems that are taken from the Cape Verdean English Dictionary, so then I I kind of you know let people know. Is, is Cape Verde considered part of the African continent? Like, is it an it extension? Is. It is. It okay. is because it's still it's kind of out there. It's not like right off the coast. Yeah, so it is out there, and there's always confusion with that. Also, because Cape Verde was colonized by the Portuguese, so. I mean, we got our independence, say, in 1975, I think, but it is kind of like, you know, a mixed race country. So we do have some people in Cape Verde who consider themselves Portuguese and not African or, but it's an African country, but our language is a Portuguese. You speak Portuguese? African dialect. I don't. You don't? No. Do you wish you did? No. no. I mean... <laughs> I ask all of my guests, by the way, if they wish they spoke Portuguese. It's sort of a routine for You're me. You're lying. I'm joking. <laughs> no, I, I don't, but I am going to learn because I would like um, to translate this book into Portuguese. Oh, really? Into Cape Verdean Creole. I'm uh, still working that out, but yeah. Okay. So it should be good. That's cool. Yeah. And uh, you go back there as a kid? Do you like go back to visit? I Do you have went, family? I have family there. I went in 2002 and I went in 2014. A lot of my immediate family, I feel like the last, my aunt just came here like a year or so ago and she was kind of like the last immediate, immediate family, but like her son is still there. So it's, it's, 
it's an interesting dynamic. I'll tell you what, considering what's going on in America right now, being on an island sounds pretty good to me. It's a pretty great place. Is it great? Is it beautiful? Oh my God. It's beautiful. The culture's amazing. Um, People are relaxed. They are. What's the government like? They're not nuts. They're not nuts. No, no. <laughs> it's always a positive. Yeah. Like See? it's it's definitely one of the, um, it's just very developed and kind of, it's one of the African countries that, you know. It's a success have story. Shit. Yeah, totally. That's great. Um, but like everyone, everyone is, is getting it together, but. It's but an amazing place. People, everyone but the United States of America. Basically. She's like completely sideways right now. Yeah. So hopefully I get to just, you know, go there and You have an there. escape route. You can always be like, you know what? I'm going to Cape Verde to chill out. Yeah. I'm like, well, I'm going to work on my next book. You know, I'm just going to find someone to fund that. Yeah, right. <laughs> Come on, BuzzFeed. Don't you Hello? have a, you have like a scholarship? Netflix, where my fellowship, someone. You know, there's a, there's a cool, like there's like, whatever happened to that Amtrak fellowship? Did you ever hear that? Oh my God. I remember being so excited about that. And Are they I feel still like doing it only, it? No. It was like one, one summer. It was like they did one it. time. And I remember looking it up and... I wanted that so bad. So for people listening, Amtrak had a writer's fellowship where they would like let you ride the rails for free and would give you like a private suite or whatever on a train and you could cruise around for a couple of weeks and just write while living on the train. Yeah, it's it sounded amazing. And I around this time I wasn't I didn't have my MFA. This was like years ago, but Every year I was like, I'm going to be ready for this and I'm going to apply for it. And then shit was gone. <laughs> what about like Yato and stuff like that? Do you apply for those kinds of things? I haven't. I never applied for Yato or McDowell. Um, I never did either. I don't yeah. know. I never, I guess I would be hard for me with kids and everything. Like my wife would be like, what? You're going away for two weeks? <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I haven't yet. I haven't yet, but I did bread loaf. Um, yeah, I just finished my MFA like a year ago, so I was always like, "Oh, wait until I'm done." Where'd you go? Um, Pennington College. Oh, in you Vermont. did. Yeah. Was it? Was it? But you were. Were you actually there on campus, or was it? It was a low res. It's a low res. So we were there like once. A term, I guess. Was yeah. it good? It was great. You liked it? Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. Who are some of your classmates? I feel like I've talked to some people from Pennington. Um. Morgan Jerkins. Okay. She, I think she, she graduated maybe a semester before I did. She just came through town. Oh, she did? On book tour. Like, oh, I, yeah, I she tried did. to get her to come in here, but I was like, I was so late. It was like the day before and I emailed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cause I think she was at like Skylight. Um, I don't really know. Morgan, Hannah Howard. She has a book. I think it's called Feast. Okay. She, she may still be there. I'm not sure, but I know, you know, we're all there. But I don't really know who else off the top of my head. So, uh, born in Boston. Mm-hmm. Dad is from Cape Verde. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was childhood like in Boston? Like, were you in Boston proper? Were you outside in the suburbs? No, I was Boston proper. I was in Roxbury. Um, it was it was great. You liked it. I loved it. I loved it so much. It was really? weird. Okay, okay. <laughs> so here's the thing, though. I've had people on this show from Boston. And uh, the conversation almost always goes back to what a racist city it is, mm -hmm. uh, how many problems they have with it. And my experience of Boston, which is, amounts to like one long weekend, is how much time I've spent in Boston. <laughs> I was like... How was that? I loved it. I was riding around on the train. What do you call the train out there? The MTA? Uh, or the, the T. The T. That's yep, right. The T. 
And uh, I was riding around on the T and I was walking around Harvard and I was like walking around the theater district and I went to see Paul Revere's house and it was just like, I loved right. it. I was and the, like, look, the, the Charles River, it was beautiful, right. you know, but then over and over again, when I, t- and I always like have in my head, Massachusetts as this like forward thinking, but it's not. No, it's absolutely not. But you um, liked it. You had a good time. So what I liked about it is, you know, I was with my family. It's home. Right. You know, it's Roxbury. But the thing is, it's very segregated. Uh-huh. So in Roxbury, I'm around Cambodians. I'm around black people. I'm around Hispanics. I'm around West Indians. So, you know, we're around each other. So I didn't really experience, you know, overt like racism Growing is, up. Is there a big Cape Verdean community? In Roxbury. In yep, Roxbury. Roxbury, Dorchester. Why? Was that just where people decided to go? or? Yeah, so I can't remember the year. But when Cape Verdeans started immigrating um, to America, they went to, because uh, it was like the whaling trade, they went to like the port of New Bedford. Um, so this was a long time ago, very long time ago. Cause the whaling, whaling's not a thing anymore. Yeah. 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 Okay. So they went to new Bedford. It was like new Bedford Provincetown, um, over there. And then they just started coming in the city. So new Bedford in Massachusetts is a very large Cape Verdean community. Provincetown has a large one, Rhode Island. So, yeah. So I didn't growing up, I didn't experience that because I, I was around, um, black people all the time. But then as you get older, it, it's weird because I left Boston when I was 17. Uh-huh. So I was around, you know, my people all the time. And then I left to New York when I was 17. And New York is super diverse. Where'd you go to school? I started at Hunter College. No, I started at College of New Rochelle. Uh-huh. And then I went to Hunter College. Okay. Um, Yeah. So it's like super. It was like before your political consciousness dawned fully or yeah, whatever. Yeah. So I didn't. You and got this out. was a while ago. Like. I left Boston in 2005 and then I went to New York and New York is just the most diverse, wonderful place to grow up and become an adult. And Mm -hmm. I was there for like five or six years. So I never had that experience with Boston and until I went back and I was like, oh my God, (laughs) I was like, this is awful. And I mean, these people are assholes, right? So I loved it growing up. But when I went back and I was there for like another five or six years, I was like, this place is it, it fucking sucks. Like it's awful. Like it's, it's still so segregated. I can't go out to dinner, to a bar, to a club, to any kind of like event. I'll be the only black person there. And you can't go and see people who look like you. Um, it's just, it's still very like, I was the only black person in my office. I was working at Harvard. It's just... What were you doing at Harvard? It's gross. I was an event planner. Okay. Yeah. At Harvard Medical School. Planning events for the medical school? Yeah. Like what kind of events? (laughs) Rave parties? So I worked in a biology department and um, there would be like talks and seminars and scientists from all over the world would come and I would coordinate those events. That sounds sounds like a a worthy cause, right? No? Yeah, it was great. Are you kidding? Um... No, I actually, no, I loved working at Harvard and I met so many great scientists and, um, no, I actually did like it. I used to always be like, oh, I hate this place. But then, you know, after a while you look back, excuse me, and you're like, wow, I needed to be there to be where I am. It was a step in your life. Yes. And it was great. I really, I really did love it. Um, but yeah, it's really when I was an adult. 
that I went back and it just felt like, oh, this is not a place for me. This is not a place that even wants me here. Did you have a good child? But you had a happy childhood, it sounds like. Yeah? No? <laughs> <laughs> you should see the look on her face. <laughs> I had a childhood. You had a childhood? I love, I love Roxbury. You do? Yeah. But like childhood, was it, I mean, like what, like what did your folks do? Did you have siblings? I have like four, three, four. I have like four siblings. You had to, you had um, to think about that first. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, li- I legit always have to think, but it's like I have two sisters and two brothers. Okay. Um, but no, it was great. I lived on this street in Roxbury, Burrell street. And you know, Roxbury has like these three story homes and it was like my mom and me and my sister on the first floor and then like my aunts and uncle and cousins on the second floor and then like my dad and my grandmother just really Cape Verdean shit like you know just stacked yes but that's amazing. good though you had to, you had togetherness yeah I so I had that. that it was it was amazing because I could it's like my mom is she's African-American black so like you know I had the best of both worlds I can have like Sunday dinner on um on like Sundays and then I can go upstairs to the third floor for cachupa which is a traditional like Cabridian dish so my grandmother was on the third floor so i, I have like so much culture what, what is cachupa what is cachupa it is Cabridian's like very like traditional dish it's so hard to explain but i guess it's like in english it's like chickpeas okay like stewed chickpeas i can't explain but it's it. delicious it's incredible and okay. then you you know you make it the first day but then like the second day the second day you have it fried you like fry it with some eggs like leftovers, but you take it to another level. <clears throat> yeah, but I wouldn't call it leftovers. That's how good it is. It's not leftovers, <laughs> but it is leveled up. <laughs> okay, so so you got your you're in, you got extended family. You got extended family living, you know, in this three three story house. Mm-hmm. Your dad's all the way upstairs. Your parents together? No. Okay, but they lived in the same mm-hmm. building. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, they did what they had to do. Were they cordial? They had to do. Yeah, they were. They had to be. Yeah. So did mom ever come up for, ch- what do you call it? Not chalupa. Kachupa. Kachupa. <laughs> yeah, I don't think my mom was ever upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> she kept to the first floor. But, you know, no, actually, I have like this this image actually of my mom. So my mom learned to drive like pretty late in life, like early 30s. And my dad was teaching her. So actually, I just remember her coming upstairs to tell me she got her license. It was weird. But if I was mad at my mom, I would go upstairs. I was going to say. If I was mad at my dad, I would go downstairs. You had options. Yeah. I grew up with my cousins, you know, two of my closest cousins, Kelly and Keitha. One was on the second floor. One was on the third. So I, I grew up around family. And that's, um, yeah, it's just really important to me. And that's lucky. Yeah. I feel really, really. My family's all spread out and it, it bums me out. I really? wish. I wish we, I mean. I say this, maybe I would be miserable and I would be bitching about it on this show if they right. lived like, right next door, but it would be so nice at this age, especially with the kids, like if they lived, right. right. but we're like, you know, all the way across the country, I see them once or twice a year. Yeah. It's hard. I don't see anyone now. And mm-hmm. I feel like now everyone, I don't, no one is as close. Everybody's as, spread out. Yeah. That's what so happens. So I'm glad I had that back in the day because now for me to see like Keitha who lives you know, like an hour outside of Boston, you know, it's, it's a little hard. So I'm glad I had that. Okay. And then growing up, like, uh, like either of your parents in the arts, like, were you a literary household? No. Are you an anomaly in your family? Yes. You are Mm -hmm. from a young age. Mm -hmm. Like you were, you were like, I'm going to write or I'm, I like books and this is my thing. Well, 
I don't I don't know if if I made that decision, but it was like it was really my dad. You know, neither are in the arts. Both just have like a high school education. Um, really just worked, but my dad, you know, he came to America for a better life. So of course he wants his first child, you know, you're the eldest. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm my dad's, I'm my dad's first. So he was super strict with me and, um, you know, I grew up, you know, in the hood in the city and, you know, he knew what that was like because he was working, um, at DYS. So he saw all the kids. Oh, DYS is like detention youth services in Boston. So it's like, you know, all these young kids getting arrested for like drugs and blah, blah, blah. So he saw like, you know, everything and he could see right outside of our, our window. So he really, he was super strict. I couldn't play outside. It was like, you need to read a book, read a book and go to bed, read a book and do this, read a book and do that. It was like, Oh, can I go to school dance? Read a book. That was the answer. Yeah. I'm going to do that to my daughter. Yeah, you should. Like a plan. Yeah. You turned out pretty well. <laughs> yeah, I think I turned out okay. You know, and at first I was like, wow, this is fucked up. <laughs> I couldn't do anything. You couldn't date in high school? Nothing nothing like that? No. So by the time I got to high school, we had moved from... So she, she got she changed by okay. the time I got to high school. As shit but, um, sometimes does. Exactly. <laughs> so in high school, I wasn't interested in dating. Like, it just wasn't my... It just wasn't what I was like into. Like I didn't, I don't, I didn't have a boyfriend until I moved to New York. Okay. So this, that, I'm glad to hear you say that because I mean, I was interested in girls in high school. I mean, I was, I was a human being, right? but I wasn't like, I never really felt like, oh, there's a, f- a formal thing where I'm going to ask someone on a date or we're yeah. gonna, I was just sort of like, you know, from afar, maybe, you know, awkwardly talking about the possibility. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I liked, I liked boys and you know like i would like it was it was weird high school was really weird for me but my focus i had two jobs in high school and my focus was really like saving money so that i can go to school so i can pay for all of those fees um yeah so i didn't have a boyfriend i had you know you had books and i had jobs. books i mean i had a little boys trying to talk to me and i was just like no <laughs> I'm focused. Now you say you, so at that point had you moved out of Roxbury or you moved yeah, out of Yeah, I was house? in Dorchester now. It was like 10, 15 minutes Isn't away. Isn't that where Marky Mark is from? Yeah. He's from Dorchester. I believe so. Okay. Yeah. I is think... there a statue of him in town or anything? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. We need a statue of Bobby Brown in New Edition is what we need. <laughs> is that, is, is he from Dorchester? He's from Roxbury. Oh, he's from Roxbury. Yeah, he's from Roxbury, like five minutes from me, uh, from where we grew up. I think my dad went to, um, High school with one of them, maybe Ralph Tresvant or with New Edition. Yeah, they were big when I was a kid. Yeah, they were huge. Um, but my dad went to high school with one of them, with one of them to um, Madison Park. I'm surprised. I mean, Bobby Brown did not take very good <laughs> care of himself, and and um, I mean, I just remember watching. This is terrible, but I remember watching. Uh, what was the show? The reality show that he did with Whitney when things were just a mess. Oh yeah, I being Bobby Brown. Yeah, something like that. And I was just like, man, this guy is not going to survive. And yet he's the one who survived. I know, but he seems to have gotten it together you, a bit. You would have to yeah. I mean, as a function of age. Yeah, absolutely. And he has like a young, like a young kid, I think. I don't know. Well, well uh, okay. So you, you go to Dorchester. What prompted the move to Dorchester? Um, just new house or I, I don't remember. Okay. I, I wasn't, I was young, <laughs> but, but my mom did get like a new job 
whatever we just moved into this apartment in dorchester and that was like the last kind of place that i called home before you went to new york yeah so when did you get it in your head that you're going to go to new york city and like why did that why did that occur to you why was it new york I don't know. I don't know why I was New York. I was like, I want to get the fuck out of here. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I know I talked all that shit about being around my family, but after a while I was like, (laughs) yeah, I've had enough togetherness. I'm like, you know what? 17 great years. Gotta go. Yeah. Um, well, I was very into music and are you musical? No, but you like, you're a fan of music. Yes. Okay. Huge fan of music. So I was really into music into uh like hip-hop culture i was working at um a record store when i was in high school and i knew and i loved magazines so i also loved writing and i loved magazines so like vibe magazine double xl and i'm like okay i want to do this like i want to be you know interviewing people and writing about music and doing reviews and you know those places were in new york that's what it was yeah so yeah, I was like, this is this is where I'm going to go, and I'm going to try it out. And so then I left. And you did. I did. With your parents' support? Yeah, like, let me tell you. There were so many Verdeans in a car driving me to New York. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it was like, there were like three cars that dropped me off at College in Rochelle. It was like my mom, my dad, my stepmom, her parents. Were you the first person in your family to go to college? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. They must have been thrilled. Yeah, so it was lovely. Like my mom cried her eyes out, but yeah, everyone was super. They were they were supportive, and it was great. Yeah, my dad was the first person in his family to go to college, and like all growing up, it was like such a big deal. Yeah, it's a huge deal. It's a you know, education has always been a huge deal to him, but also his parents. Mm -hmm. You know, like people really, I think especially if it's uh, if that hurdle has just been uh, wept, crossed, you know, then I think it, it. it's something that uh, is more immediate. Did you right. feel a certain pressure to do well? I mean, like as the first, you know, once you got there, you're like, I can't fuck this up. Or were you just like normal college kid? I feel like I was normal college kid because I guess maybe because just like my family dynamic. By this time, I kind of was just like, everything I do is like for me. Like I got myself here. Um, but after a while, it was, I got, um, maybe like two months into college because I just didn't, I could not like sit back and just go to school. I started looking for internships. Like I'm a freshman in college, just turned 17. You're already going for the career. Yeah. So I was already going for it and I applied to be an intern with like a PR firm and I got it. Like they called me the same night. It's like, oh, we want you to start tomorrow. Was it a paid internship? No. Oh, well, see, they're always looking for an unpaid intern. Exactly. Rude. (laughs) Um, But they were like, yeah. And it was, um, yeah, it was like this PR firm. And I was just like doing all these events with them. It was insane. And then from there, I applied to be an intern with Vibe Magazine and XXL. And I got both. And I had to choose. And you want to know the way I made my decision? Yeah. How did you do it? I said, which one of these folks who work here aren't going to be a stickler about college uh what is it college credit is that how you say it yeah like i mean you meaning like yeah for the internship you have to have you have to be able to receive college credit Uh uh-huh and yeah so i had to pick the one that i felt like wouldn't really you know be so 
series well, I, of all I my paperwork. I, I don't get it. So they just wanted you. You just wanted to be able to do one without having to deal with uh, College New Rochelle or Hunter College. Right? Well, no, it's because I guess when you're an intern, you don't. You're not able to receive college credit until like your junior year oh and you were doing it earlier yeah so uh, i was it was my freshman year so you know i would have to get like approval from my school and go through that process but i i was like three months into <laughs> into my freshman year so i just went with vibe and then that worked out and then i was hired like for a paid job yeah i was the assistant to the editor-in-chief wow look at you you got to you got to new york and within three months, you're like, I'm going straight for what I want. Yeah. You didn't wait. You didn't wait around. No. I Yeah. Like I couldn't. And that, then that, when I got the job there, that's when I started to feel the pressure because, you know, people at home, you know, my family back home was just like, oh my God, like you're doing this. And I still had so many younger cousins, you know, who were just graduating or about to graduate high school and going to college. And so I was like, damn, like I got to keep going. Yeah. You know, I really want them to you know, to know that they can do this and that they can leave Boston because Cape Verdeans stick together. Um, Is there a Cape Verdean uh, community in New York that you had access to? Or? No. 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 So, yeah, I would go home and, and see them whenever. But, um, yeah, I wanted them to know that, like, go to college, like, go wherever. So that's when I started to, like, feel the pressure. When you got the vibe job? Yeah. Why? Just, like, I got to do well? I got to make sure I maintain this? Yeah, like, for myself... Um, actually, maybe I think that's a lie. I think I, I did it like I was doing it for myself. Like I needed to do this because I didn't have anything to fall back on. You know, my parents didn't have money. So, you know, I I had my own apartment. I was like 18, got a keys, like, you know, to a studio in the Bronx. And I'm just like asking people like, you know, what do I do? Like there were older women at work. And so... Yeah, it wasn't, honestly, it wasn't until, like, a few years after all of that when I just had, like, a breakdown in New York that... Crying on public transportation? Totally. Like, every day. (laughs) Um, It was then, I guess, that I realized... Then I, like, moved back home for a couple months, and then I had, What was the breakdown? Just the pressure of life, or...? It was just life. Boy? Hmm. No, I don't think it was the boy. And when you say Maybe. break, when you say breakdown, you just mean like I'm tapping out for a while, or did you like seriously like couldn't function? It was like couldn't function. Really? <laughs> yeah. So I went home for a little while, and then I guess here's where the pressure shit and you know, I had like cousins be like, "Wow, I have like one person." I actually, this is why am I talking? Why are we talking about it's this? My, this is my show. Oh my god. <laughs> But I had a, <laughs> this is so funny. I'm sorry. Um, I was like at home, but I was like a mess. Right. right. <laughs> I just like went home and I wanted to just be under my parents for a while. And I get that. Yeah. Cause yeah. I was like a mess. I couldn't take care of myself. So, but I have this cousin who was just like, wow, I used to look up to you. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's funny now. Twist the Brad. knife. Twist the knife. <laughs> and I know that he didn't mean it. Like that way he was just like, you know, like I used to look up to you, blah, blah, blah. I don't remember everything now, but. What did you say? I don't know what I said. I couldn't say anything because then I just felt so much bad. Like, I mean, so much worse. Yeah. Because 
I like left the job at five. I was going like, to say, so you're in the middle of all this. You're, you got the job at five. You're the assistant mm-hmm. theater in chief. You're at college in New Rochelle or at Hunter by now? I was like still at, at college in New Rochelle. Like I took, I like, then I like took a leave or something like that. And you just, uh, what like, but what precipitated it? You just got exhausted. It was just too much pressure. I get, I mean, cause New York's a lot. You it know, is a lot for a young person to navigate on there, especially you were mostly on your own figuring all this stuff out. Yeah. Um, were you doing drugs? No, I don't even have any fun stories. Like I wasn't doing drugs or anything like that. Nothing it was like just that. a mess. Um, yeah, I probably should have been in therapy like well, consistently, but like back then, like, you know, like I wasn't so I don't know, but I know he said that and that kind of just like hurt me for like 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's, let's stop right there. Cause this is a, this is something I've been thinking about, uh, or I've, I've often thought about in my adult life is how you can, you can hurt somebody for like a decade with one sentence. Isn't that insane? And not even know it, that you did it. Like you can, like, that's the thing that's so crazy is that you can do that to somebody. They can internalize this, carry it with them, have a deep wound, not tell you about it. And then like, you know, a decade goes by and one day they say, by the way, right. That one day, and you don't even remember doing it. And you're like, shit. Yeah. If I, if I said anything to anyone, if I've done this and you're listening, please call me. Yeah. I'm, I want to make amends. I'm guilt ridden. Like God only knows what I've done. Listen, my mouth used to be crazy. <laughs> like I used to just so yeah, let me know guys. What do you mean? Your mouth used to be crazy. I just, you got a temper. I wouldn't say a temper. Okay. No, I don't have a temper. I just, um, I'm just good with words. Yeah. Yeah. But see, this is the thing. Okay. Here's another, here's another thing I think about <clears throat> writers in particular, people who have a facility with language or who really, you know, gravitate towards that mm-hmm. can be, uh, sharp tongued. That's what it is. And in heated moments or in disagreements or, you know, when the situation uh, calls for it or whatever, can be very effective at using words to defend oneself or attack. Mm-hmm. But the problem... <laughs> The problem is that that same ability uh, can be turned inward. Absolutely. So people who are uh, able to uh, use words to defend themselves and attack and all this stuff are usually having, or or, or have the, the potential to have like really dark conversations mm-hmm. with one, you know, with themselves. Yeah, that's really true. But yeah, I had that ability since I was really young. But you know, now you now. can talk shit. Yeah. But now I just, you know, I choose silence. You, I like to think for a long time before I respond to people. You can do that. Do you ever, you, you can, but you can, you have the self-control if the situation starts to get a little heated just to, to walk away. I wouldn't say walk away, but. Not say the thing. Yeah. See, I got to get better at that. Yeah. Like I can, and I mean, it, it, of course it like depends on like what's happening, but in the moment, like I just, I have to think before you know i don't it doesn't serve me or the other person for me to say something that's really fucked up yeah that's very adult of you yeah as you're saying this i'm reflecting on what i was telling you when you first came over about the basketball hoop (laughs) for those of you listening uh my daughter played basketball and enjoyed it this past uh season she played like in a youth league and so we've had this hoop that i was supposed to set up 
ever since Christmas. It's now like almost April. So I tried to set it up yesterday and I was telling Shona that, uh, because I'm not handy at all. And I think I'm, I'm I think I'm a little bit insecure about the fact that as a man, I, I'm like terrible at putting things mm-hmm. together. I don't like tools that like, you know, I guess I'm too privileged. I didn't, I didn't have to like use like a socket wrench when I was a kid yeah, or something. I feel like I should know how to use tools too. So I kind of feel you. Yeah. On that. I'm like, what? Like, I don't know. There's <laughs> something like, it's some sort of area of weakness. So I had like a Clark Griswold meltdown because the basketball hoop would not assemble and I loaded it into our truck and drove it to a dumpster and threw it away. <laughs> I I did not know the story was going to go there. I thought like, you know, you're going to call Tass Rabbit. No, I should have like a normal American. Yeah. Just call Tass Rabbit. Well, I'm going to get another hoop and I'm going to call Tass Rabbit. Like as punishment, I should have to pay for another one. <laughs> right. Right. I need and to then be... pay for Tass Rabbit. And then pay for Tass Rabbit <laughs> and then stand there and be emasculated while Tass Rabbit puts the hoop together in 10 minutes. You can just like go, just go sit inside, have some coffee, let them do that thing. You don't have to witness it. <laughs> I'll be back here doing watercolors while TaskRabbit assembles right. my hoop. Um, but yeah, you know, it's tough. It's tough. I, I think, uh, I think about like w- part of being a, a healthy human being and a, you know, a well-adjusted adult, but like psychologically well, it's like learning to, um, know when to be silent. Mm-hmm learning how to take care of difficult emotions, learning how to like know what to say to yourself when you talk to yourself. Right. That's fucking hard. That's really difficult. I'm still, I mean, I think I'll probably be working on that for the rest of my life. I think we all will. Okay. I don't think no one, I don't think anyone will. No. Do you believe anybody? Have you ever met a truly wise person in your life? Myself. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Every time I look in the mirror. Every time I say, you know what? (laughs) A truly... A truly wise person, yes. I have, there's someone in my life, my um, older cousin, Tamini. She's a truly wise person. She's got like a deep soul. A very deep soul. And what does she do? Because you're a she's poet. She's a nurse. Right? Yeah. I mean, I'm you got it. You got, you're a deep soul. Yeah. But you know how it is. Like you. You're mercurial. Yeah. But you can also, you can always give people things and see all the right things to others but you know yeah to yourself it's just and your cousin's a nurse and she's like taking care of people exactly she's confronting on a daily basis the fragility of life yeah i think yeah nurses to be to do that work and, mm-hmm. and to do it well like it takes a certain inner strength i think absolutely it's like people who are like hospice workers yeah i'm like fascinated you're... by that yeah that's that's beautiful work and i probably couldn't do it I've thought about it. I like to imagine really? that. Well, I mean, I just like to imagine that I yeah. could do it. I, I would just cry the entire time and that's not helpful. But at some point you would have to get inured to it if it's your job, if it's your day in and day out. Like not that you would become cold, but just right. that you, you'd have to sort of... Like this is this is life. This is life. And yeah, I mean, I can only imagine like how, you know, those people view life like when they go home, like does it make them better, stronger? I would think they would. I think you would or appreciate maybe not, it. Not afraid to die. I want, well, you know, that's kind of why I think I'm fascinated. <laughs> right. Be, be sure would be nice to shed that fear. Seriously. Like, yeah. Wow. So maybe that's what we should do. I think Fuck so. Buzzfeed. Let's Fuck go be Buzzfeed, hospice. Fuck Netflix. <laughs> Let's just go be hospice. You know, the, I don't know. This is probably not recent, but maybe recent, but you know, people who read poetry, um, like maybe I can go read poetry to people. In hospice. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I could bring Twiggy. 
She could be a therapy Oh my God, no. She should be a therapy. Can I have her? No, but I don't think my poetry would like really help anyone at the end of their life. Yeah, they need like, they need like roomy. You need to go in there and like read roomy to exactly. people. Exactly. I wouldn't read my work, but read someone else's. Yeah. It's, you know, I, uh, I really like to read poetry. I find as I get older or like maybe busier, and especially if I'm trying to get ready to write, I like to read poetry as a way to like get myself into that brain space. Mm -hmm. And I have an increasing affection for people who are able to distill. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. take things, it really feels like you're boiling things down to an essence uh, when you're doing it well. And yeah. I don't know. I guess I, I think that might be just a function of being super busy. It's just so nice when I can go super deep, super quickly. Right. You know? <laughs> like you don't have to do anything yourself to get there, but read. Right. And read no, like a couple, awesome. a couple pages. Yeah. And it's like, wow, they've done all this work for me. That's wonderful. Um, yeah, so it really how, sets you up. So how does it happen for you when you're working on a piece of writing? Like, because I talk about doing all this work and then it's a, a relatively quick reading experience. It would seem to imply that the 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 poem takes forever to write but a lot of times i feel like these things they come out pretty quick when they come is that is that the case or no i think for me like sometimes it'll be like 30 45 minutes to write a poem and i'm like you know what where's my why and like <laughs> you know why i don't know why people aren't waiting for me outside the house well, with the balloons yeah. like come on so for me it's like i think it it takes a lot to get there like i just finished a poem the other night and I had like maybe the first 10 lines. I've had those, I've had that for like two or three months. And then the other night I went back to it and I would say like in 45 minutes I was done with this poem. Yeah. And but you did. But the thing is, is that it's, it's a, it's misleading to say that like, oh, it was 30 or 45 minutes. Cause you have to accrue all this experience. I'm assuming some of the experiences that you're working from weren't necessarily pleasant or easy. And so, yeah. and, or you've, and you've read all these books or you've tried to write poems that have failed. And so mm -hmm. there's a lot that goes into that 30 or 45 minutes. Yeah. 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 So it's of course just not this like 30, 45 minutes. I, what I usually do is I work from just a document of notes, of notes and lines. So everything from when I started those 10, those first 10 lines, like from that day, I'll have notes like up until then. And I believe that all of those, those images and notes that I wrote serve those 10 lines. So then I work from there. So you, you, you're a person who you have a notebook on you at all times? No. Well, I do. I have like my planner, but it's usually in my planner or my notebook or my, my, my notes app. <laughs> your, yeah. Your iPhone. Yeah. So they're, they're everywhere. But, um, if there's like a certain amount of time, I don't know if I'm explaining it correctly, but if I write a poem, right, if I start a poem, and then I have all these notes, and it's just all around the same time, and make the images, like, may not be related, but I believe that they are, because they came around the same time. Sure, yeah. Same you psychological know? space. Yeah. Right. So, now that I have moved on from that poem, then we'll see, like, you know, what comes later. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, I hope you take notes after this. And yeah, I will. Eventually, there's going to be a but poem. like, why? So talking about uh, Roxbury and this three-family house that I love so much. Yeah, no, it's good stuff. And um, just to go back to the the bio, like, what you mm -hmm. came back, you came back to New York. You know, you went home for this two-month 
um, respite. And then you came back to New York, obviously, right? You yeah. Went to Hunter College after that? Yeah. And then I dropped out. And then you dropped out? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. And then I went back to Boston. And then you went back to Boston. Okay, so... <laughs> There's uh, a lot going on. We do not need to get into this full... I like This is interesting, though. This is formative. Okay. So you go back... Did you go back to Vibe? Or no? No. Um, what did I go... I don't, I don't know what I did. I was... Actually, I was just temping a bunch of different places in the city. But were you in school? For... A bit of it. A bit of it. Mm-hmm. And so, but you were ready to be, it seems like you were just one of these people who was like kind of ready to be professional. Yeah. Like you were like school, uh, you know. Yeah. I mean, I love learning, but I love, yeah. Like I wanted to be a professional. I wanted to just jump right into my career. I felt like I. Were you taking on student loan debt? Yeah. And were you like, you know what? I don't want to take it. Was that a stress? Like thinking about doing the school and being like, I'm accruing all this debt? No, I didn't really think about that because when you're that young. You're just like, I, yeah. I, got, I got time. <laughs> you're like, you know, I got time. I'll pay this off. I'm going to make all this money. And then, you know, you're almost 30 and you're like, wow. Wow. Yeah. My wife didn't finish uh, paying her debt off until her mid thirties. Yeah. It's, it's insane. It's insane. I feel like, uh. I feel like college should be tuition free state college. Like kids, kids should not have to like, I, I, you know, I always go back to this conversation that I had on this show years ago with Ben Fountain mm-hmm. and his dad was like a university administrator. He was like a, you know, on the board of regents or something, right. but for like a local, like small, either commuter school or community college or something in like North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And he said something that I've never forgotten, which is that like, we should not be asking students to like invest, quote unquote, invest in their futures by taking on a debt burden of like a hundred thousand dollars. Right. We as a society should be investing in our young people so that when they come out of college, they don't, they're not under the weight of all this debt and they can immediately go out and be in the black and like be buying houses. And you know what I'm saying? Like, it's better for the economy. Yeah. That makes absolute sense. But yeah, it's not the way that it is. Absolutely not. So you go back to New York. When did you drop out of school? You went to Hunter for how long? After Hunter, so maybe like a semester or two. And then you're just like, I'm I'm tapping out. I'm done. Yeah. You know, mama had to go back to Boston. You went back to Boston. Yeah. Did you have a relationship issue? Was it like a boy, did a boy break your heart? (laughs) What happened to you? Yes. Okay. However, it wasn't like because of him, like that I, like that was, that was like a really, you know unfortunate time and thing that happened but it wasn't because of him i just had things that i had to i think that maybe triggered triggered like the fact that i had to deal with a lot of other shit and i think like that's that's what it was but i would never attribute like me um leaving new york to like that breakup like it wasn't at all and i never actually thought about that so no Okay. But what was the other shit that you like, just family shit, but like just yeah. personal stuff, like getting your, getting yeah. a, yourself put together, yeah. making sense of maybe, uh, family dynamics that you had mm-hmm. been aware of in childhood, but maybe hadn't fully articulated yet. Absolutely. That sort of stuff. Yeah. Coming to terms with that. Mm-hmm. Were you able to do it? 
by going back? Like, was it like a go back and make sense of it and confront it? Or was it? No, like back then I went back because I didn't have no money. (laughs) (laughs) You weren't like returning to do some sort of like anthropological study of your. Talk to my parents. (laughs) No, I need to go live with them actually. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. I went back because yeah, I needed their support. Sure. And so now what is this like eight years later? Yeah. Mama you, got you it together. Fi- you didn't finish school? No. And then you just, but you went out into the work world. I went out into the work world and, and then you- I applied to get my MFA at Bennington. How do you get an MFA without a B a um, or a BFA? I don't know. You have my writing sample. Wow. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, yeah, like that's what it was. Like I heard that they, at this point, like they made exceptions you know, for, I guess, you know, extraordinary, uh, talent, I guess. And I, I didn't know like what would happen, but I, I think I met Michael Jumanis, who is a poet and he teaches undergrad there. And I had met him like at a conference and he was just like, I think he's the one who told me I'm like, really? And then I met Josh Bell when I was taking classes at Harvard, I took his workshop and yeah, he was like super encouraging. He's like, you need to be. So you were taking classes at Harvard. Yeah. So I first started at Harvard Extension School and then I started, then I took two courses with Josh Bell at the School of Arts and Sciences. Okay. And um, yeah, and he was like, you should, you know, be in grad school. You should be getting an MFA. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I just, at this point, I wasn't super, I didn't know that my poetry was anything at this point. So I was like, really? So I just, I just tried. I put together a writing sample and I went to Vermont and I stayed in a cabin and How was that? It was great. Maybe did a little drugs and wrote an essay and applied. (laughs) Did you really? I may. Like mushrooms? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Did you really? And you wrote an essay? And I went out in the rain with my friend and we were just, she and I were out there and I was like, wow, this is great. And, um, yeah. And then I went back in and I wrote this essay <laughs> and it was, and it got you into, it got you into your master's program. This is fabulous. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. And then, and then I got in, but it was, so it, it was a good time. Like you didn't have, cause mushrooms can get wonky sometimes. No, it, it was, get... it was a great time. And you're in the right space though. You're out in the woods. Yeah. Like it was great. And you know, I would only do something such as that around people that I trust. Right. That's something that I'm like, you know, people you trust and that, you know, if anything happens, you know, that you'll be okay. And, right. Um, yeah. So it was, it was great. What was the essay about? Who knows? I, I want to <laughs> read that essay. I'm pretty sure it's not even good. I bet you it's a, I bet you it's a masterpiece. I don't know. But... It was part of the application. It was yeah. like, tell us about something like, you know, it was like, it was like part of the Bennington literature. Yes. And you responded to it. Yeah. And you got in. I probably should not be saying any of this. I, I think that's fantastic. Oh my God. <laughs> so, okay. So then you get into the low res program. You're living in Boston still. Yes. And you complete the low res pro. Like, like I'm trying to like piece together your, uh, geographic trajectory. I was in Boston this entire time of my, of my MFA. So the only, t- but you were in New York for how much time? Didn't you say like four or five years? Yeah, from seventeen 
to like 22. But you were only in school like a, a year and a half or two years. Of yeah. That. And then I the rest like of the time you were of, just working. Yeah. 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 Oh. So it was like a lot of bouncing around. But um, so it was like 17 to maybe like 22. And then I went back to Boston. But see, I think just living in New York from 17 to 22, that is an education. That was incredible. Like, I'm so grateful for that time. And I spent a lot of time, you know, a few years ago, just kind of like beating myself up because I feel like, um, like I failed, you know, like I didn't stay in New York and I didn't end up with this like editor job. Mm. And those jobs are fleeting anyway, right? Yeah. And I'm like that it's obvious, like that wasn't for me. Um, you know, but back then I thought it was, but I needed to be actually making, you know, making the art and not, you know, in an office. So yeah, I used to just like, I used to beat myself up because I said, oh my God, like I failed and, um, my little asshole cousin doesn't look up to me anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get him Um, on the phone. Is it a he? Yes. I actually did tell him. You did? Yeah. When did I tell him? I told him (laughs) I had like a party, like a when I got the BuzzFeed job to move here, whatever, I had like a going away party and he was there and like I told him and he felt so bad. <laughs> he like didn't know what to do and I was like, well, you need to watch your Maybe mouth. you just think about that for the next <laughs> Right? Think about how badly you wounded me. <laughs> just think about that, you know? <laughs> and uh, no, I love him dearly. He's my actually my god brother also. I love him so much. But anyway, um, yeah, it was a great time. It's been a great time. New York City. Yeah. I'm really, like, really, really grateful to 17 to 22 to have that time. I don't, yeah. It taught me a lot. And then you went to Boston. You were living at home Mm -hmm. until you got the BuzzFeed gig. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was living at home with my dad. You you came out west to seek uh, fame and fortune. Yeah, I did. It's an American story. Yep. I'm so rich now. (laughs) (laughs) What do you, like, do you have an idea of what you want to do? Like, I know you're a publishing uh, collection, but, Mm -hmm. you know, that doesn't tend to make it uh, rain. You know, like, I feel like... Well, you don't know what this is going to bring you, You never know. You never know. You never know. I may be the poet who just strikes it large big hey, huge <laughs> I, you know what we should we should talk because there are poets uh, i want to say i was reading a profile of this instagram poet okay see and i know people have qualms about this but all i'm all i want to bring up is the mm-hmm. fact that the form which i ha- i have argued this for years the form actually uh fits the internet totally better than longer form it's harder to read like a long form piece online Absolutely. but poetry i feel like you can it's viral it can disseminate right and so there are maybe ways, like this young, uh, you know, poet, Instagram poet, she's selling a lot of books. No, she is. She's she's really doing her thing, and that's amazing. But I don't, I just don't think that I can do that, like that yeah. I can make poetry. It's like the roomy of the internet, kind of, you know? Yeah, like that's just not, that's not me. But I think it's great. And maybe people can, I just hope that people can be open to long form and you know did that like that's great but i think she is opening doors hopefully it's opening doors for people to you know explore other kinds of poetry exactly yeah. like that so i like that's i think that's great for poetry because it's got to be sort of short you got to have you got to be really compressed in order to yeah. fit it onto a screen or whatever right or maybe i can just you know i can just put parts yeah. of the poem tastes yeah, just, you know, buy my book, read this, retweet it, regram it, whatever. And then, I mean, I don't know. 
But yeah, what do I want to do? I want to teach. Oh, you do? Yeah. Like you want to teach uh, poetry, English, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I want to teach poetry. I really want to work with high school kids, though. That's my passion. I love working with um, with high school kids. Why is that? You had to get them while they're early. Right. Yeah, before you had to get they... them before they come become assholes, and then they're like in college and grad school, and they think they know everything. So you really want to get them while they're early. Yeah. So they can be like, Shauna taught me. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But um, I think this is a great time. I have worked with high school students before. When? Um, during my time in Boston. Um, I was a just an after-school tutor. You've done a lot of things. A lot. <laughs> yeah. A ton. Um, but it, even gives you I some, it gives you some self-knowledge. I think if you, if you try a lot of different things, even if a lot of them are like quote unquote failed experiments or like, mm -hmm. whoa, that was, I'll never do that again. Right. You're learning. You yeah. Know. And it's funny because I don't, I've done so many things and I don't see any of them as like failed experiences. They're just like, they've just always been like informative and just like, you know, have served me even if it's later. Sure. But, um, yeah, I just like working with high school students because they're, they're tough. Okay. These you, kids from Parkland. Uh, listen. I'm, they, you know, I would not want to be on the receiving end. They know, they yeah. know how to do it. They know what they're talking about and they're just, they're, they're, they are a tough, a tough crowd. So, but yeah, just working with them because as tough as they are and like the kids that I worked with, like, you know, I couldn't walk in there and like look in a mess because they would be like, Shauna. <laughs> what's up? <laughs> like, what's going on? Late night? <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> they would call you out. Yeah. Um, but they also are just, just so innocent and they're really just so open. Right. And you vulnerable know? and like the, like they're, cause I, you know, I can sort of remember that when I was that age, like the world really is wide open to you. Everything yeah. kind of seems possible. Right. That's when you're really like, even if you don't know it, when someone introduces you to something, you know, you don't, you don't know that you're looking for it. You don't know that you want it, that you need it. And just being able to bring poetry and literature to kids when they're young, even if they don't go to grad school for it, they'll always like, you know, know the power of reading and, you know, of imagination. And I want to do that, like, you know, with younger kids. Did you have a teacher in your high school life that was like particularly meaningful to you that like maybe set you on this course? No, no, but it did have an English teacher Miss Gomfa in 10th grade who told me, well, not me, she told the class. I don't know. We were reading some story, but I will never forget. She said, love doesn't pay the rent. Okay. And that has nothing to do with anything, <laughs> but I remember that from Miss Gomfa. It's kind of, it's kind of depressing. <laughs> Miss Gomfa is dark. No, it taught me a yeah. few things in this life as That's an right. adult. Okay. Toughing you up. <laughs> Just can't be out here thinking love's going to pay these bills. Yeah. You got to go out and do it. <laughs> But yeah, um, yeah, I want to work with kids. Okay, that's a that's a noble uh, aspiration. Yeah, as a side job though, because you know that doesn't pay either. <laughs> but you could te you could teach a you could teach high school, right? That's yeah. a full time job. No, yeah, but you know. Do you want to do that though? Do you want to like be a teacher at a high school who shows no, up? No, I'll do like a summer course maybe. Okay. <laughs> you want I'll do a couple workshops. You want to be free to roam? You like to move around? I do. You don't want to be locked into anything? No. No. I don't. You got a poet's soul. You want to just like row, you know? Yeah. Like I want to go to, I do want to, you know, go back to Cape Verde and spend some time there to work on this translation, to work on. Like translating your own work. Yeah. To be published there. Mm -hmm. 
but also I want to work on translating um, this Cape Verdean poet that I love. Who, so, who is? George Barbosa. Okay. We're not related. I was going to say, but yeah. no relation? Jaji Barbosa. No, we're not. Uh, maybe, though. So there's like a thing that all Cape Verdeans are related. So you never know. You never know. It's well, my cousin. I, no, I used to go back uh, to, you know, to Louisiana, where my folks are from, every year. Mm-hmm. And my dad's from a small town. I'm like, everyone's Listen. sort of like your cousin. Yes. <laughs> I remember this is, I remember being in a bar and like, I was in high school, but like down mm-hmm. there you can sort of just do whatever you want. And right. I was drinking and I was like talking to some girl and my, my other cousin, Jerry comes up and he's like, she's your third cousin. I was like, whoa. Like, Take it easy, Brad. <laughs> You're like, thanks. Thanks Thank for you. the heads up. <laughs> you. I had no idea. Yeah. It's totally like that. Like in k writing culture, someone has to put you on, just like let you know, hey, that's your cousin. Yeah. Take it easy. Uh-huh. Um. But yeah, so I, yeah, I want to, I want to, I want to move around. You're young too. Mm, I think I'm old. How old are you? I'm about to be 30 in June. Oh, come on. No. You're but a mere child. My back hurts. You, you want to <laughs> trade? I, I'll give you my Listen, back. My back hurts. Okay? I, I had to like, I know I could barely walk yesterday after fucking with that basketball hoop for two hours. Oh yeah. I had to like go upstairs and lie on the floor. You need to go do some yoga now. I know. Yoga I, Mondays. Yoga Sundays. That's my Sunday thing. Yeah, but now it's Yoga Mondays because your back hurts from the basketball. I don't know. What I really need, to do, what I really need, you know what I need? What? I just need a, I need a rest. I just need like a week to just lie down just to... in a dark room. Do nothing. That's kind of boring. Guess though. what time I woke up this morning? What time? 4.30. That's what time you wake up every day? Pretty much. Not No alarm. I just wake up at 4.30. What time do you go to bed? Like 11. It's not good. I yeah. want to sleep nine hours a night. Right. I aspire. I'm not one of these people who's proud. I'm not, I don't like competitive stressing. Right. Where it's like, oh yeah, I only sleep four hours a night. Like that shit bugs the shit. You know, like I wish I could look you in the eye and be like, I slept nine blissful hours. Right. Yeah. I can't do that either. You know. So what what about uh, spiritual stuff? Where are you spiritually? You an atheist? No. You like, what what do you think? I think there's a spirit in this, in this room. You do? Like no. a third party spirit? No, oh. I'm kidding. But probably, um, I'm spiritual. I didn't really, I didn't grow up like with religion. Nothing, none of that. Yeah. What, what's happening in Cape Verde spiritually? Is there like a, you know, is everybody Catholic or is it mostly? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you, but you were not raised Catholic. No. So my dad is not like my dad is not religious, but my stepmom is. My stepmom's Catholic. She goes to church every Sunday. Uh-huh. And my younger siblings, they go to church every Sunday, but not my sister anymore because she's about to be 17 and teenagers are assholes. So she's kind of over it. But my little brother's 12 and he still goes. I was raised Catholic. Yeah. Did yeah. you go to church every day? I mean, I, every Sunday. <laughs> I, I quit when I was like, I was really bad. I was never into it. Yeah. Like even as a small boy. Yeah. And so I think like by the time I was like, I don't know, 12, 13 my parents started to just be like, this is more, this is too much work. <laughs> yeah. It was like a task. <laughs> he really doesn't like this. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but you didn't have any of that growing up. No. So, but you, have you had to come to any uh, understanding on your own? Is that important to you? It is important to me. And I have like, you know, I'm, I'm spiritual. I believe, I believe in God. You believe do. in a higher power, believe in the universe. Like but like I a believe... judging God that's like evaluating your, your, your performance here on this earth or more of like a, God is everything connective cosmic. Not really a judging God. I wouldn't say that, but I do. um, 
you know, I do try to make decisions and behave in a way that I, yeah, that I, that I feel. That God would be proud of. Yes. <laughs> I would like to make it in. Um, <laughs> I just, you know, I try to behave in a way that my stepmom would be proud of. <laughs> right. Well, it's just like, but that's the thing. I don't know if you necessarily need religion in order to, to have a sense of morality. I don't think you do. You have to have a sense of like what morals and ethics are and like yeah behave in a way that doesn't harm other people yeah and that that's really what i strive to do every day is not to hurt people what do you think happens when we die listen i don't know you don't know okay i'm just i always ask i actually people. have a dream about dying like every night and it's, it's weird and awful every single night Mo- mostly yeah what is it what does it involve i don't it's it's really hard to explain but i wake up and i'm just like oh i died last night it's so in your dream you die. Do you know the method? Like you no get hit by a bus? Or no, what? but something always happens that I wake up and I feel like death. <laughs> it's it's a lot. See, this is the good stuff. <laughs> Finally got there. What the fuck is this interview? <laughs> but yeah, it's it's really, and I'm like, oh, okay. So I have like a morning i have like morning rituals and routines that i do like i i need a lot of time to like get ready in the morning how much time i wake up like six so when i was working i had to be at work at 10 and i probably wouldn't leave my house until like 9 30 so, so three I and a half like, hours yeah like three and a half hours i'm the same way yeah I, I i think that's part of the reason why i like to get up so early I want to have as much time as possible in the morning. I, I got to ease into my day. Yeah. Like I, I can't, can't just, just start. No, I can't roll out of bed and be mm-hmm. like on my way to something. Like I got to have some time. Yeah. I, I don't feel like it doesn't feel right if I just like go into something. So I need hours to like shed that energy. Every night this <clears throat> happens to you. Almost every night. You wake up. Mm-hmm. It wakes you up out of a dead sleep. You're like, oh my God, I yeah, just died. I wake up like 3 a.m. usually. And then sometimes I'll like get my phone i'll respond to like all my east coast family right <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you well but, I'm like just up i'm well, just not really dead <laughs> <laughs> just glad to be alive here <laughs> so, texting you because i can <laughs> i'm just trying to remind myself that i'm here i still have small motor ability <laughs> um but you know it's it's really hard i think when you wake up i never can understand because my wife can do this like she can like wake up go pee at like three in the morning get back into bed fall right back asleep. Mm-hmm. If I get up in the middle of the night, like I can fall asleep, but if I wake up, you can't it. go back. No, yeah. I'm up. And then I'm thinking and it's like, you know, I've got to either turn the TV on and like right. zone out or sometimes I'll get on my phone, but then I just, I find myself reading too much news and it just gets me anxious. And yeah. Then... I don't read or watch the news ever. Ever. The only news I, I, I like, like, is this a conscious decision? Or yeah. You... I feel like what I'm meant to know will come to me. So, damn. Um, yeah. Are you aware that Donald Trump is president? Like, who's that? <laughs> no wonder. She, I noticed you were like so happy and like I yeah. right. I'm like, wow, this. You got to figure it out. Energy here. Um, yeah. I mean, I am on Twitter. You know, like I am on Twitter, and I try hard not to like read my timeline so much because it's just so awful toxic yeah so what i but what i do like see it's rare that i even will click a news article so i'll like see headlines 
Um, are you doing this because you used to do it and you noticed that it was having a corrosive effect on you? Or are you just someone who's like, you know what? I see this for what it is. I'm not participating. I'm out. No, because I used to do it. Like, you know, I would always read the news. Um, or, you know, yeah, like read it online. So I don't, I don't have a TV or anything. But, yeah, I just, I just can't do it anymore. Like, like I said, like what's, what I'm meant to know, like will find me. If like, if someone sends me something and they're like, hey, you should read this. Like this is information you need to know or something like that. Then, of course, like I'll read it. But, yeah, I'm just like really selective. I like to try to control what I can, like what I take in online. Because there's just like so much. Like it's, it's a lot. So and there's no TV at home. No. What do you do? Well, there's a TV. Oh, I, I have a roommate. I have like a couple of roommates, but like there's a TV like in the living room, and um. But you don't watch it. No, I watch Netflix on it, but like there's there's like no cable. We just like I don't know. Okay. I don't know. How... Yeah, yeah. But like, so you're watching movies. Yeah. You're reading books. You're not reading any news. Mm-mm. That's a healthy media diet. No, I mean, yeah, like it is. I still need to, you know, cut back on Instagram a bit. <laughs> You're big, are you big on social? I'm not. I'm not big on social. But I mean, like you do it a lot. Like you're on like all the different. Yeah, platforms. like I'm on. I'm on Facebook the least, but. I think you got to delete your Facebook. Yeah, I think so too. But here's the reason why. It's time to go. I think I want to delete, you know, this personal account that I've had since 2005, and maybe just make one that's just for my book because Cape Verdeans love Facebook oh. and it's really, you know, like how they get their news. It's, right. you know, Cape Verdeans, um, Facebook is like, Facebook is a, an important platform, you know, to communicate, right. you know, uh, with folks and family and Cape Verde. So that's like the only reason why I want to have it. That is how I knew that this morning, I am. I made it to Cape Verdean News. You did. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> I was on the news in Cape Verde. I was in like a newspaper, and I learned all of this because people posted the links on my Facebook. Got it. So, I think I'm going to delete like this personal one that I've had forever, and just like make a new one that's really just about you know writing. But um, yeah, I try to control what I take in online that's smart yeah it's I'm ter- a lot. i mean i'm the uh, like kind of the opposite end of the news spec I, I just do nothing but follow this oh, really yeah i feel a certain sense of responsibility <clears throat> like i i think there are you know I, I i completely respect the way that you're approaching it totally and there could be it's entirely possible that you are doing things very wisely i mean but maybe we, not we also, I, yeah we, but but like, <laughs> the other side of the equation is that like I feel like we're in an information war. Right. And so I feel like I need to be, and as somebody who I feel like, I feel like I have a decent ability to parse and I have a pretty high level of media literacy because I've spent so much time immersed in it Mm -hmm. that I'm trying to parse it and like retweet it or whatever. Right. Like amplify messages that I feel like are important. Okay. Who knows? I, who All right, knows I'm going to follow much, you. Who, yeah, I don't know. Because I'm like, this is important news. For, 20, for 24 hours, yep. you'll probably follow me. And then and after I'm like, All the All right, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> had enough of this guy. Um, yeah, I don't know. But I started doing this first with um, like gossip sites, like gossip blogs. Because, you know, like when I was working, just from like when I was from Vibe, to Harvard, you know, you're at a desk 
doing shit you don't really want to do. So it's easy to go on TMZ and, you know, easy just to get so immersed in the lives of people you don't know. Yeah. And then just one day it occurred to me, like, wow, this is not my business. Like, this has nothing to do with me. Yeah. It's like, it just... And I'm like, I feel like a parasite. I'm speaking for myself. <laughs> yeah. Because we all do it, you know? Yeah. And I just started getting uncomfortable. Well, and it's like, the, you know, there's stuff where you're like, I shouldn't know this or I shouldn't be seeing this. Exactly. But yet it's like all over and it's gossip. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's really hard when it just like, you know, comes across your computer screen to like not click. Right. And then you click and you're like, oh, am I participating in like something mm-hmm. like really, like I'm morally compromised just by having clicked this link. Yeah. It's like, I do not go on any sites like myself. If I see something, it's because like, I'll see a link on Twitter Yeah. and sometimes I'll click in, sometimes I won't. But I just, I was like, wow, this has nothing to do with me. So like, what do you do? You're so pure. <laughs> you, but you are in terms of like. <laughs> Sounds like it. Social media, no news, no gossip sites, no I'm just TV. really annoying to the people like in, in my life, in real life. Your family back home is just like, my God, would you yeah, just watch reality like, TV? Yeah. Seriously, I, and I can't. It makes me uncomfortable. Me too. I can't watch that stuff. Yeah. I can I watch can. American Ninja Warrior. I like that show. I don't know what that is. It's like an obstacle course. Oh, really? People, like super fit people try to like, I don't know. No, but I, I do. I have, you know, I like to watch fucked up things. Like what? Like, like dark movies? I You know what I do love, though? I love British crime dramas. Okay. Fucking love them We've detected so a small area of weakness here. <laughs> yes. I love <laughs> British crime dramas, even like the worst ones. Like what, just... a, what, a, what, a, what is a British crime drama? I don't know. Like Broadchurch. Okay. They're just... They're just great. You like British people? Like the accent? Is that... It's not even that. It's just like... They're just... I don't know. There's just something about these crime dramas that are just so great and ridiculous. But some of them are like really like Broadchurch is amazing. I love Broadchurch. Okay. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But then I used to like. Sometimes I still do watch the first forty-eight. See, that's but that's fucked up. I don't even know what that is. Oh my god, it's just the worst. It's, okay. It's not a reality show. It's like a real crime show that. Um, I don't know, like people, I don't even know how you describe it. It's actually really fucked up though. Cause you know, they usually like in the hoods around, you know, the U S whether it's like somewhere in Texas, um, where not Miami, New Orleans. So they'll, you know, they're like filming the police departments, like go out and try to solve these crimes, but it's usually, you know, black men that, you know, so but what's really fucked up is I started like reading about it. Cause I'm like, why do I keep watching? This is actually like, awful when i started reading about it like sometimes the 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 detectives you know they'll just go and arrest someone for the sake of the show right Uh so then this person has a record and you know they've been put through the system and then they're found not guilty and then they have a record and they can't get a job and they can't do this and like no one's there to help that person and you know it was just these officers officers just trying to do this for the cameras so i'm like wow this is really fucked up and i should stop watching yeah it. yeah yeah wow so that 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 was a guilty pleasure for a long time <laughs> but you've cut this stuff out yeah i i really do i really do try to but my mom loves like really dark movies and shit like that like she watches oxygen and snapped my, you know you know what my mom watches what hallmark channel 
What? Yes. That's still a thing? She, at night before bed, it helps her fall asleep. She likes to watch these, like, stories that, like, have, like, completely sugar-coated, happy oh. endings. Like, no darkness. Can, like, right. My mom's one of these people who, if you tell her something bad has happened, like, you know, I'm like, Mom, by the way, like, there's an autocrat in the Oval Office who is a Russian agent. I think, like, we're potentially oh collapsing God. into, like, authoritarian kleptocracy. She's like, oh, Brad. <laughs> Southern lady. Like, like, she just doesn't want to believe the worst a lot of the time yeah you know it's like sort of self-defense but it's also sort of like this sunny view of life which i find sort of charming mm-hmm. it's especially charming i think once you're like a little bit older yeah i guess when you're older yeah <laughs> but like yeah i mean i'm not walking in here like brad this is fine i don't know who trump <laughs> is like everything's great no this world is fucked up and i'm so afraid for like my little sister and brother and my niece who's about to be one like i'm afraid sure and seems like a proportionate response yeah so I do, you know, I control what I can control, like, about what I take in. But, you know, I do what I can um, in terms of, you know, making sure I'm knowledgeable in things that will affect them and that, you know, will affect me, my family, and, like, those around me. Um, but, yeah, my mom used to go to bed watching Seven. You know Seven? Like with the... Isn't the movie. That, like with Brad Pitt? Is it Brad Pitt? Or No. Is it Kevin Spacey? I don't even Kevin, remember anymore. Is it Gwyneth Paltrow and her head's in a box? Yeah. Is that Gwyneth Paltrow? The Seven Deadly Sins? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I forget who's in it. I know. It's My mom Morgan watched Freeman's that movie in it. over and over and over. It's David Fincher. It's a good movie. It's great. But, but it's, it's I, not something I would go to watch sleep. before bed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow, it's, it's great. Your mom's got a dark sensibility. I love it. Gothic. And she's so sweet. Um, well, it's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. <laughs> was this what you were expecting? You, Absolutely not. You're flying blind. I was expecting, like, so this poem in the book. <laughs> well, yeah. It's not my show. That's great. It's all about you. We just talk. Yeah. Did you have an okay time? It was great. Okay. Well, no, it's nice to meet it was, you. It was nice to meet you, too. Good luck to you in Los Angeles. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there you go. That's Shauna Barbosa. Her poetry collection is called Cape Verdean Blues. It is available from University of Pittsburgh Press. Go get your copy. Shauna Barbosa, Cape Verde and Blues. You can find her online at shaunabarbosa.com. She's on Twitter at Shauna Barbosa. She is on uh, Instagram at Shauna Barbosa. If you want to email me, the address is letters at otherppl.com. Don't forget about the Other People app. That's free. If you want to support the show, it's patreon.com slash otherpplpod. Thanks to Kill Rockstars and the band Stereo Total for the theme song music of this program. The transitional music you're hearing right now is compliments of cigarette royalty. So, it, you know, it's a, the desert trip is good. It's like you can do these big family trips, and it's always like a bit of a uh, logistical stress. It's always 110 degrees or whatever. There's something that happens. But when you, they're over with, you're glad you did it. Got to make some memories. It's important. It's good for the kids. Can't believe I live in the desert. I live in the desert. It's like you sort of forget it when you live in Los Angeles, unless it's like really, really hot. You just drive a couple of, a couple of hours east in the middle of nowhere. It's a desert wasteland. I will say that flowers look extra pretty in the desert. I think that's why. Isn't there poetry written about desert flowers? Isn't that a thing? seems impossible but yet I think that's what poets see 
Do you like how I did that? I have poetic vision. Most people just see flowers in the desert. I see possibility. So, I'll be back full strength next week. I'm depleted. I've been in the desert. I need to hydrate. I'm exhausted. I'm like the punching bag of the family on the lazy river. Screaming children. Okay.